This is RDQI. Hey, Ryan. Do you think that we should require learning a second language as part of our educational system? Well, require a second language as part of our education system. I mean, to some degree, I think schools do. I mean, obviously, it's going to depend on what district you're in, what state you're in, yada, yada. But I, I think you mean like almost from like grade one on. It's just like, yeah, here you go to your your Spanish, your French, your German, your Mandarin class, whatever. I think that's more what you mean. Yeah, exactly. As an integral part of, you know, education systems from zero to 100. Um, I think in the United States of America to mandate that is going to be real difficult. Um, <laughs> I, but I think it, I think well, it falls more on the, I mean, basically the guardians, the parents, the people who are in charge of that child. I think it kind of falls on them more so than the system, so to speak. Well, so the, the reason that I bring this up is I think that, that, you and I both probably have the same answer, which is yes. You know, it, right. it, it is a, it, it is by and large a, a good thing for more people to learn second languages apart from their primary native language. Right. Um, but I think now, you know, in the U S we, we do put that onus on the parents as a choice. And the result of that is very few people in the U S know a second language unless they, unless they came to the U S with a native language other than English and they learned English. Mm, okay. Sure. Right. If English is your second so language. By re- yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. So, so leaving, I, I think we've already done the experiment of what, what do we do when we leave it up to the individual? Well, you learn English or you stick with English. So should we require it? I mean, I, I would say, I would say yes, because I've seen, I've seen the benefits of being bilingual, trilingual, <laughs> um, you know, throughout my life in the U S and, and elsewhere. Um, and I also say this as, as somebody who really only truly knows one language. I probably have, a B1, um, probably at one point a B2 understanding of uh, proficiency in German. Um, sure. But that's hardly, hardly fluent. And just for everyone's reference, that's a, that B1, a, so, so the, the, the framework I'm talking about is the common European framework for reference for, for reference languages um, that basically has six uh, categories, A1 to C2. So A1, A2, B1, B2, C1, C2. Um, and it's just a sort of a universal way of measuring language proficiency. Oh, okay. I got um, you. Yeah, it's, it's a good way to, you know, assess skill level for a number of different, you know, any, any reason you could think of. Um, but, you know, I, I, when I was teaching in the Czech Republic, I had, I, I got a pretty good, um, intuitive understanding of what level somebody was at, but there's, you know, official guidelines, but, but B1, even B2 is not fluency. It is, you can get by in that country. You can, you know, have converse, but, but you couldn't jump in and talk something technical with somebody mm-hmm. or, sure. you know, it'd be probably pretty difficult to have a philosophical conversation. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's, it's not it's not fluency <laughs> yeah i got you you can order beer for people you can have small talk 
You can say, where's the train station? <laughs> yeah, 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 I got you. Yeah, I would say, I mean, my German's probably a little bit worse than yours. Um, plus, well, how, how's your check? Where would your check fall in? Oh, uh, I think at one point, maybe, I think at one point, A2. Um, but I, I learned that so late in life that at this point, A1, which is, you know, I can remember the words and phrases. <laughs> sure. Okay, gotcha. It never, it never got to a great point, but, but I, I always, you know, it's, it's one of my, I don't have many regrets in life, but one of them is not attaining fluency in a language. And I still can. It's just the older you get, the harder it is to actually get there, which is why I think you and I would probably, I'm I'm putting words in your mouth. Why I would argue (laughs) that language should be taught in in school because you might not want to as a kid, but that's the, that's the best time to learn a language um, by a long shot. I mean, you'll never be more efficient at learning another language than when your brain is still developing right. and malleable because you can create those language maps instead of doing the translation method, which you will do if you learn as an adult. Right. And it's important to point out that, I mean, <clears throat> neither you or I are going to claim to be neuroscience experts here, but, Different languages quite literally have different neural maps as far as the brain is concerned. Um, it's a very complex, complicated subject. I'm not prepared to talk about it. But if you learn a new, if you learn an additional language, it's not that like you're stimulating the same muscle, so to speak. You know, obviously the brain isn't a muscle, but it's not like you're stimulating the same muscle and your muscle just gets bigger. It's like you're adding an additional muscle to your brain. So it's like a completely new neural network. And that's why it's so important to develop while you still have a relatively plastic brain, um, something that can reshape itself and um, can do that quickly, which is kind of, so here's, so I brought this up with, you know, in the lead up to this episode, I was talking to my wife about this um, because she's studied childhood development as part of her education. And basically what she was telling me, she's like, and we actually brought this up um, on a previous episode, and I'm totally blanking on which one it was. But as far as learning a language, the best time to learn a language in terms of the sounds that a language has is, oh, we must have brought it up in accents, because I think we talked about how Germans can't make the TH sound and Japanese can't make the L sound very well. I think that's where we brought it up. Mm-hmm. Anyways, between the age of about like 18 months and three years, that is when the portion of your brain, which the name of it is, again, is evaporated in my mind. I can't remember. But that portion of the brain that handles language processing, like the ability to hear language and convert, like if someone says dog, converting the word dog, that sound into like, oh, yeah, it's a four-legged furry animal. It's man's best friend, right? That part of the brain that handles all that functionality it is rapidly developing and reshaping and understanding connections about 18 months to three years, right? Which again, that's just for this, the sonic side of things. It's not about like grammar, syntax, and all the technical aspects of language. But it kind of, yeah. talking to her about it made me think like, I don't think the system, so to speak, can teach children early enough. I really do think to some degree you just have to be exposed from a very, very, very young age, an infantile age, you would say. Uh, so, so Dr. Andrew Weil is a famous, um, uh, uh, famous physician who's written quite a bit on, on 
cognitive impairment and aging and things like that. Um, and he had an, an, uh, an article in time magazine a while back and I can't remember which, which edition, but you know, I'm sure he's only written so many articles for time. You can find it or we could post it in the show notes, like responsible podcast. (laughs) Sure. Um, but he wrote an article, um, basically talking about how when people reach the age of, you know, 30 plus, it's sort of the, um, the most the most efficient your brain will ever operate because at that at that stage in your life you've really developed your neural maps um to to probably as far as they're going to develop but what starts happening is your connectivity between those different neural maps starts to grow. So you stop developing the maps themselves and you start developing the pathways between the maps. And so using those neural connections to make inferences and insights based on a wide variety of your experience and understanding of the world, that's when you really start to turn on your superpower. And there was a study um, that Chuck Palahniuk referenced um, on the Tim Ferriss podcast, so real, real far uh, bibliography <laughs> citation there. Sure, um, that uh, if you look back at you know some of the greatest masters in history, they tend to create their masterpieces between the ages of thirty one and thirty three, because you've learned as much as you will, you know, foundationally, but then you're starting to to really connect with the broader world. You use your expertise to to truly connect with the outside world. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, makes a lot of sense what you just said about the, um, the best time to learn a language sonically is when you're younger because you're still developing networks, but when you're older, um, it, it just becomes so, so difficult because you're looking for connections. You're not looking to build. So I remember when I was, when I was learning Czech and I was learning Czech a little bit, uh, 25, 26, um, there's sounds in the, in a, in a Slavic language that if you've only ever been exposed to, you know, Germanic or romance languages, you've just never heard before. And the, the word for terrible in Czech is strašně. <laughs> and I remember hearing that, you know, my Czech teacher saying that word and then just asking me to repeat it back. And I couldn't do it because that sound had nowhere in my brain to latch on to. Sure. I was like, I can't repeat that because I don't understand it. I've never heard that sound before. Right. Mm-hmm. And same with the Czech. Um, it, it just takes so, so much longer to do. Whereas your child, it comes so easily. I, I mean, I remember I worked... Um, on a farm in the Czech Republic with uh, an American dad and a Czech wife, and they had two kids. And they spoke, they lived in the Czech Republic, and they spoke completely unaccented English, and yet they could flip into perfect accented Czech at the drop of a hat. (laughs) Yeah. And you're only going to get that when you develop both those languages at an early age. Exactly. And I have always been so jealous of that ability. Yeah, but to go back to the original question should the educational system stipulate that bilingual is the goal? I think what we're kind of getting to here maybe is it's a great goal and there's a lot of reasons to pursue it and maybe some reasons to not pursue it. We should get to that in a second. But 
part of it is you have to start from a very young age before the education system really is in place. If you truly want to be, have the fluency of like, literally this is my mother tongue as well. Right. So obviously you can pick up a language later in life, but it's never going to be your mother tongue where you can flip between them two languages interchangeably. I mean, some people can do it. They're a very unique exception. But unless you're learning how to phonate from a very early age and then how to, sorry, how to reproduce sounds from a very early age, which is phonation, and then how to understand the grammatical syntax, that's something that usually comes a little bit later. I mean, how is the educational system supposed to help you when the best time to learn to hear a language is at the age of what, two? It's not going to pan out very well, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Can I kids start kindergarten at what four or five? But yeah, to, to your point, I mean, you've already missed the golden opportunity to to understand the um, the intonation of a language, right? But but okay, but understood. But is that a reason to scrap it all together? No, no, right. And right, I realized I was like, this isn't exactly what I'm trying to say because I don't think you can say like, oh, I haven't learned this. I haven't learned Spanish by the age of four. Forget it. You know, I'm just never going to learn. I think that's a pretty poor attitude. So you could bring up a good point. You know, yeah, you can't you can't scrap it all together. Well, it was so so interesting to you know when I, when I taught English, it was very clear when speaking to somebody when they started learning, right? So if you if you learned English anytime you, you know to your point after the age of five, six, seven. Uh, you will have an accent. That's just the way it is because you you didn't develop the you know your your tongue mouth motor skills to be able to form those words perfectly. But just because you have an accent doesn't mean you can't speak fluent English Correct. or Spanish or any other language, right? You'll just have an accent. That's fine. Plenty of people do. Plenty of people speak accented English all the time. Yeah. We hear it all the time. Yeah. Um. But there's still a golden window, I think, before um, uh, I used to know a PhD who actually studied uh, language development um, for, for children. But let's just say arbitrarily, like before 17, 18. I don't I don't know if that's correct, but it's but there's there's another there's another period between the the intonation and the true adult brain where you still have enough neuroplasticity to learn languages easier right. than you would as an adult. Correct. And, and you know, you and I started learning German when, when we were 12, 13. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And I have, and I, I know you do too. We have German linguistic maps in our mind. They're not great. But they exist. But I can think yeah. in German. Yeah. I can dream in German. Mm-hmm. I, I never ever got to the point where I could dream or think in Czech because I was still translating into English. Because my adult brain just would, you know, stubbornly couldn't build that map. Yeah, and I think that's a really that's why you and I we could not speak German for a long time, and then we could start. And it might be a little bit slow at first, but we'll pick it up real quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, give me give me a book or two to read. Let me watch a German TV show for a day or two, and then give me a beer, and sure, I'll be ready to speak German. Yeah, it won't be good, <laughs> but I can pull it off. Um, and you, yeah. so you bring up an interesting point because one thing I find fasc- fascinating about language in general is that. In general, and this is going to be overly simplified here, but in general, language equals culture. In the sense that when you, so we, you and I both studied German, 
Germans, as most Americans know, are very uh, orderly people, very practical people. Those are the stereotypes, you might say. Um, very precise people. And those are stereotypes that are, are somewhat true. I mean, there's a reason it's a stereotype. But when I, knowing what I know about the language and how it works and how it manifests itself and how precise it really truly is and how logical or sehr logische it is, it, it helps me understand German culture all the more. So when I visit Germany, I feel like I actually understand a little bit more about what's actually happening around me. Because I understand the way, like the language in which people are thinking. When I say understand, I'm being very generous. But <laughs> being able to think in a different language gives me the ability to think like a different person, almost. It's not entirely true, but almost. And I think that ability, anyone who has any shred of it, it's just, it changes the way you think about any given situation. I, I would say, from my own personal experience. And I think that's kind of the heart of why learning another language is beneficial. I will never, well, I probably will never, ever need to practically use German. Most of the time I travel to Germany, Germans would want to practice their English with me, right? So, like, <laughs> it was difficult to even practice my German because they're like, oh, you're an American? Great. Let's, let's talk English, you know? <clears throat> mm -hmm. And still being able to think in German to a very, very rudimentary degree I really do think it allows me to problem solve in different ways. Even if I'm not using the German language to solve the problem because my brain is able to work in that way, I do think it does kind of change the way I view things. And the reason I say that is because I picked up a little bit of French from my wife who like, kind of like you lived in France for a while, taught English, that sort of thing. Um, and I picked up some French and just learning French from her helped me understand how the French people think about things and how, just almost like from a baseline conceptual level, what a French person might be thinking in a situation. I'm saying if there's a scale from zero to 100 of comprehension of French people, French culture and the French language, I'm probably on tile three, maybe tile four out of a hundred. Like I'm not deep, <laughs> but even, even a tile yeah. three or four, I still have a better understanding and a better sense of what it means to be French, what it means to think as a French person which I think is immensely important, especially because I would say in general, the future that is coming upon us as a human species, right, is immense problems are going to come at us and we have new apparatuses, apparati, apparatuses? Anyways, have new ways of dealing with those problems, but those problems need to be solved by critical thinking most often, right? It's not like, hey, if we just mm -hmm. work harder, we'll get better output out of this mine. Like those days are kind of gone. It's more like, let's think about how we can be more efficient, more practical, and how we can manipulate our environment better so that we can survive, right? That's the end goal as a species. So having access to an interdisciplinary sense of problem solving, simply because you've learned a second, maybe third language, I think that's immensely valuable to Maybe not everyone, because we should get into that. Like, who who cares about this? But I think in certain fields, I think having that neural network is immensely, immensely valuable. But that brings up the question as I was kind of going there, Dave. What are the reasons that you shouldn't learn a second language? Well, yeah, and you and you 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 bring up a lot of good points. Um, 
because I think people who would be against this idea would just ask why, right? I mean, sure. if you live in Switzerland, a country which has, you know, tiny country, which, you know, speaks four different languages still based on the region. Yeah, there's a lot of real easy practical reasons for learning a language and virtually everybody, every Swiss person is is at least bilingual out of necessity. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's sort of like in the states if every 50 every one of the 50 states spoke a different language maybe some were similar but you know it's a little different right um, right right you right. would absolutely learn different like we wouldn't have be having this conversation <laughs> but i think people get away with it in the us because it's a very large country it's very isolated i mean our neighbor to the north also speaks english you know and and really um spanish would be the only practical language to learn if you aren't going to leave the U.S. Um, and a lot of people would think, look, that there, there, there's no reason for me to learn a language because learning a language takes a lot of time. Um, I think a lot of people would say it takes a lot of time and energy. Anybody who's spent time learning a language, your head hurts after you yeah. s- spend an hour trying to learn another language. Yep. It's, it is taxing. Um, and you could use that time to learn something that somebody might argue would be more valuable if you're talking in terms of, you know, educating for your future. Sure. Um, I And I think it's hard to argue that. Um, and the other thing is, you know, when you learn a language, when you pick something, well, how do you how do you choose what to pick? I mean, sure. if you're in the U S Spanish is, is the obvious choice, but you and I picked German, <laughs> right. which apart, <laughs> apart from being a novelty sometimes, like, you know, German people love it when I speak German, but they're like, Oh, that's cute. But let's speak English. Cause my English is much better than your German. <laughs> yep. Always. Like, I haven't gotten a lot of practical use out of my German. Right. So then why devote the time and the energy to it? Well, I, yeah. I mean, okay. But I think, so you bring up a good point. I think my my first answer to that, though, really quick, snap judge. No, my snap thought to that though is, I think learning German. I mean, this is particular to language families, but learning German helped me understand English better, because there's a lot of cognates, like essentially a word that is a German word that English just copy and pasted into its language into its dictionary. And said, "Yep, that's an English word now." So. Learning German helped me understand English better. So it multiplied my English skills in a way. And I think that's important. But now obviously like learning Mandarin, learning learning Arabic, learning Farsi, which is what they speak in Iran. Like those are non-Romance, non-Germanic languages. Therefore, they don't influence English directly. So it's a completely different branch of humanity, so to speak. And you don't get that benefit necessarily. So if you're like... I'm not I'm not trying to um throw shade at anyone here but if you're an auto mechanic living in Nebraska learning mandarin wouldn't necessarily make you a more effective uh worker in the workforce might not necessarily make you a more interesting person in your social life like it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get benefits out of it learning a second language right it kind of depends on your situation I think that's kind of what we're getting to here is that what you're saying exactly i i i think the we have to start the the only way to ever get something like this enacted 
is to understand that learning a language, the benefits of it go so far beyond learning how to speak X language, right? Because when you are a native speaker of any language, you know how to speak that language, but you don't really know why you need to speak it. I mean, any of the listeners out there who who know English but haven't really studied many other languages, define, think about using the word the versus a. So a <laughs> ball or the ball, a car or the car. Yeah. You know intuitively where to use which one, but just take a second and think, how, how do you define that rule? I'm guessing if you haven't studied languages or other languages, you have no idea. It's a, uh, huh. <laughs> right. You'll get there. But, but, but what my point is, is that you don't really think about it. You just use the language. But when you, when you learn a second language, it, to your point, Ryan, it, it, it puts your native language into perspective and you start to learn grammar and how grammar operates. Mm-hmm. And it just makes understand, it just increases your, your understanding of, of communication. I mean, think about music, right? If you don't know anything about music, you've never, you've never studied or learned an instrument and you learn how to play the piano, that's going to be difficult because you're going to have to learn the technical, you know, kinesthetic fundamentals of playing the instrument, right. but then also theory and what chords are and blah, blah, blah. Right. How to read music. Once period. you know piano yeah. though. Yep. Yeah. Right. But get to a good, decent point with piano and learning guitar is going to be simple because all of the fundamentals of music are there. You just make the notes on a different thing, a different machine. And same thing with language. Once you understand how time works in language, how possession works in language, you and and to understand the the uniqueness of certain languages, like the German articles oh, are God. you know masculine, feminine, or neuter, which a lot of languages have have a they call it masculine, feminine. They probably should or neuter, and they probably should rebrand those at some point. But, <laughs> sure, <laughs> but but English doesn't have that. <laughs> English doesn't really have cases. They have verb tenses, but they don't have cases. Um, but once you understand that, learning a second language is hard. Learning a third language is relatively easy. And that's why you tend to see people who are either they learn, they know one language or seven. So of the multilingual people I've met, like people who are truly fluent in multiple languages, at least bilingual, I would say almost at least half of them, if not more, are probably immigrants in my life. This is just my own personal experience. Um, so they learned English mm. because they watched MTV when they you know, showed up on America's shores, that sort of thing. And even then, when I think about those bilingual people, they're, to varying degrees, depending on when they started learning their second language, their proficiency is obviously going to be, it's not necessarily a direct correlation, but there is a correlation there. What age you start learning the language and how proficient you end up being. Of course, there's exceptions. But even talking to those people, they just have a more well-rounded sense of how to think about a problem, in my humble opinion. And I wonder if that's mm-hmm. directly tied to the language or if what if there's, I'm sure there's more factors than just, oh, I learned a second language, therefore I'm better or better at solving these problems or can think about these problems in a different way. 
this is speculation, but it's speculation based on fact. Um, so there's been numerous studies that have proven that people will actually score different on personality tests when they think in one language versus another. So interesting, and, and they're using exclusively like truly fluent bilingual people, right? So you have a defined linguistic map for language A, defined linguistic map for language B. But the the point of the study is is that when you are thinking, when you flip over to a different neural network for languages, you you do actually think differently. Oh, that's interesting. That's- and then there's also just the the problem solving expansiveness of of learning a language, the nuts and bolts of it, and not just parroting back phrases. Mm. You know, you you have sort of increased your ability to think critically about why language and not just using language. And that, I would just assume, this is my, uh, you know, speculative opinion, but I would assume that just naturally increases your problem-solving abilities. Yeah. Because you've had to problem-solve how you know check and english are both languages but one has cases and the other doesn't how do they both communicate the same thought one has 12 versions of 12 versions of time the other has four well how do you define time then right in the same way right oh man you're rocking my world right now dave cuz uh, as you know i mean in my private life personal life i'm st- i'm learning some new um, computer programming languages and which is entirely different than human spoken languages for so many different reasons. But it is interesting how, as soon as I learned, like as I'm learning additional languages, it's easier because of the languages I learned before and to know the differences between them. Right. So, you know, you might go from a, a language, which is very strongly communicated, strongly typed is what they say. Um, we have to declare everything very literally um, in the, the language so that the computer actually understands what you're saying. And there's other languages where there's like, they're loosely typed. There's, a little, there's more inference in, as far as the computer about what you're actually saying. And it kind of fills in the gaps for you, which inevitably causes problems in the back end anyways. But all this is to say is that because I learned one of these languages and learned like, oh, this is this is the way you talk to computers. Now I'm learning, you know, a couple of additional languages and thinking like, oh, I, this is totally different. These concepts are fundamentally different than this other language. But because it's still a computer programming language, I understand some core thoughts. Therefore, I can learn these new languages much quick, much more quickly. Which makes sense because because yep. language essentially is is. I mean, I'm not going to try and summarize what language is, but part of it is abstracting an idea in a pure sense. Again, going back to the dog, you know, example. The the word dog, D-O-G, it's an abstract idea, right? Like that doesn't actually mean anything unless you know in your brain that when you see the letters D-O-G, that you see those characters together, that what those characters are signifying, what they mean is an actual entity that is, you know, again, the four-legged furry friend. And I think that's what it gets down to is understanding abstract ideas in a more complex way and understanding multiple ways to understand life through those multiple complex abstractions. How could you not have a different 
perspective on life and how to live through it than to understand at its very core multiple abstractions of the same idea. I, I mean, you're, you're dead on it. I think you really get to the, again, the, the, the point of learning languages and it's just to really kind of increase understanding. You know, I, I took a, uh, what's the language? Um, Java class, a one semester Java class in high school. Um, and it was really, it was really fun. Um, I, I am by no means a programmer in any way. I couldn't, yeah, I probably still couldn't program the simple little Java things that I did back in the day, um, or that I did in that class. But it gave me an understanding of of how programming, not how it works necessarily, but but how it does what it does, what programming languages actually do mm. to get the program to do what it wants. Mm-hmm. And I don't work. I, I'm not. Uh, in tech myself, but I work with a lot of tech and IT people. And I can speak enough of, like, I can, I can communicate enough with them because I know just sort of fundamentally how their language is structured or how or what they're trying to get at with the different languages. Um, and so I can talk to them really easily. And that's really all it, it takes. It just kind of increases that understanding. Um, if I think about, you know, one of uh, one of the stereotypes against um, Slavic people in in America is, uh, you know, when you're when you're like a caricature of a of a Russian um, speaking in English is they don't use articles. Mm, like right. I go to store, right? You know, I play with kids, um, which the stereotype is is sort of implying an, a lack of intelligence. Of course it is, yeah. In, in that, but when you understand that Slavic languages don't use articles, and when you have a debate about why you use articles in English, and you're, you know, one of my Czech students asked, like, why, because they have a really hard time with articles because they don't have it in their native language. Like, why would you use uh, the ball when, like, you could just say, I go to store. <laughs> How is that not more efficient? <laughs> right? And, oh, you know what? You bring up a good point. Because Shakespeare said <laughs> Why so. Why do we use articles? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but knowing that, I that's that stereotype of like un uh, of of unintelligent or, or primitive. Uh, like I don't I don't think that at all because I understand how those languages work and even languages I don't understand. I know that, you know, the reason that there are those sort of unique idiosyncrasies are, are because they're coming from a language that speaks like that. You know, there's less of a, uh, there, it just, it just leads to a more universal understanding. Of course. Plus, you know, a lot of people, I, I you know, there definitely is a, um, uh, some prejudice against non-native English speakers in America, mm-hmm. for sure. Of course. Um, but if you've ever tried to learn another language, especially in another country, you'll quickly realize how unbelievably difficult that is, how nerve-wracking that is, how um, 
just generally stressful it is mm-hmm. to speak a language that you have a very, very cursory g- grasp of, but you're just trying to, you know, make it. I remember um, trying to get my visa in the Czech Republic and going to the Czech foreign police and, and like, what a struggle that was um, to, to be understood, especially at that technical immigration type level. Right, right. Um, you'll never give somebody a hard time about not knowing English again. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's why you and I both agree that anyone should probably, if they have the opportunity, should learn a second language as early as possible. Is because it's not just about learning how to understand other people better, right? Because if you were more fluent with Czech, that experience with the Czech officials would have been much easier, right? Obviously, that would have been very useful mm-hmm. in your life. But I think what is kind of being missed out on is also remembering that the more easily you can understand someone else, right? Understand someone who is other to you. You know, they're foreign. They speak a different language. If you can speak to them, that person can also understand you. And what else do we want in life than to understand the world and to be understood? Mm-hmm.